Proverbs chapter 29, and uh, I'd like to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer first thing. Heavenly Father, I come before you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray be with me now. And Father, as I'm about to testify of things you've done in my life, and uh, may not only that I remember, but people understand it was not me. It was what you did in your power that uh, accomplished great things for you. Lord, I love you, I need you. And in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Proverbs chapter 29, uh, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not speaking on the verse he touched on this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and cover it again because it was a great verse uh, that where there is no vision, the people perish. But in Proverbs chapter 29, in verse 25, it says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man. Now, in my life, it, it's, I, I've had issues where I was afraid of the pastor. I was afraid of the missionary I might have been working with. I was afraid of everybody but the Lord premium, uh, first and foremost. Now, I'm not talking about not having respect and a fear uh, in the proper way for the position of the pastor, that kind of thing, because if you don't have that, then you have a problem with God. But I'm talking about as far as uh, where you're, you're more concerned about what other people think uh, rather than what God thinks and, and allowing God to be your greatest motivator. But uh, what I want to do tonight is... Uh, I would like to go ahead and testify, give some testimonies of some things that took place in my life. Uh, I already had another message. It was, I mean, I had it almost all done, just other than dotting the I's in the, in the, in the T's or whatever. And then Wednesday night, pastors preaching, and just one things after the other. Oh, man, and just totally wiped out what I was going to speak on tonight. But I'll do it another night. But uh, I just want to briefly scratch on the surface of the area of soul winning. And specifically, in the title of the, the, the message is Fears of Soul Winning. The Fears of Soul Winning or Witnessing. Uh, back in 1992, well, I was with the, still with the state police right before I left after Hannah, my first daughter, was born there in October of 92. Uh, but back there in the spring of 1992, I took an in-depth soul winning course. Uh, it, was, um, it was called Operation Go. It was developed and taught by a guy by the name of Dr. David Wood. He was out of, North, he was out of one of the Carolinas. I believe it was North Carolina. And he'd go around to churches and he'd give a seminar and, and uh, do an incredible uh, evangelism, you know, discipleship evangelism type of uh, course that you could take. And you had to, have, you had to memorize certain verses and in, in just this whole program, and uh, it, the, the purpose of the course uh, was to give effective soul winning, and it wasn't a magic bullet as far as, hey, you do this particular program, and you're guaranteed every time to get a, for somebody to really get saved. It wasn't that, but what it did is it gave you an understanding, gave you a platform, gave you a format of how you could effectively witness to somebody, total stranger. But what if somebody starts talking about this? It didn't matter who they were, what religion they had, because your only focus was to stay on track and to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and taught you how to kind of go ahead and, you know, 
uh, move questions aside, or you know, can we get back to that at another time or something? But uh, it was an amazing, amazing course. And like I said, I was still with the state police. When I left the state police in uh, November, no, yeah, yeah, November 16th, 1992, uh, to go into, uh, to get trained for the uh, ministry, ended up moving down to Decatur, Alabama to be trained for the ministry at Decatur Baptist Church uh, at that time, uh, and, it, and I believe it's going back in that direction now, but at that time it was incredible, missions-oriented, soul-winning, going out on Tuesday night door-to-door, uh, just amazing what it did as far as soul winning. But I had the opportunity as part of my training, after I got into it a little bit, that in 1995 and 96, I taught discipleship evangelism four different times. And it was an intense course where not only did you have a, a classroom on Wednesday night, but the, the classroom participants were paired up with soul winners within the church, and we'd go out on Tuesday night to put into practice what you learned and uh, go door to door there. So I had the opportunity to teach that four times in, uh, before, before Karen and I and, and our children went to Romania uh, to be missionaries there in 1997. We were missionaries to Romania for 10 years. Too often, people do not witness because of numerous differing fears that they have. The fear because of ignorance, not knowing how to witness or how to begin an evangelistic conversation. Fear of rejection or bad reactions. You know, Pastor talks about going to the door. Hey, I carry a gun, all right? I go up on cars all the time. I have no idea if I will be alive or dead in the next 30 seconds, all right? And it doesn't phase me. But when I go up to every single door to knock on it, oh, there's... It's just trepidation. What's the reaction going to be? That's just the nature of the beast. It's the way it is. The fear of rejection or bad reactions. The fear of failure or messing it up. The fear of what scriptures to use. All right, we can we can memorize like fifty different scriptures, but you're not going to go through fifty different scriptures with a stranger on the side of the road. So it's it's important to have a specific plan as far as what verses you're going to use. Some specific passages that uh, we must keep in mind in regards to our duty to witness and win the lost of Jesus Christ. The first one here that I want to just touch on before I get into my testimonies is 1 Peter 3, 14-16. You can turn there or just jot it down. I'll go ahead and read it for you. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. The pastor touched on it this morning. All right, The Borden family, the pastor talked about this morning. I don't know where his parents, he's 25 years old. I have no idea where his parents are at spiritually or where they were at. Apparently they were very, very rich. But to find out that their son at 25 has gone off to the mission field and he gets killed, I don't know what their reaction was. But here in 1 Peter 3, 14, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. I have never been concerned about going on a mission trip. I told, uh, I know I told the Elrods, Elrods, I don't know if I told the Smiths, I said, don't worry about Joel. I mean, if he dies on the way to a mission, on the, well, if he died on the way there, that would have been really tragic. If he died on the way back from a mission trip, I mean, I would much rather get shot knocking on the door to witness to somebody and die rather than get shot because I'm serving a warrant. You know what I'm saying? 
You die for the cause of Christ. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We heard the testimony tonight from Pastor. He's been de de developing numerous, probably hundreds of relationships with the Henrico Police Department. All right? I know that he's not had the opportunity to really present the gospel, but as far as planting the seed of who they can turn to when they've got a problem and their mom is getting ready to die. He didn't call the priest. I can't tell you how many times in Romania I've witnessed to people that are orthodox. And they said, we have no respect for our priest. He is a drunk. Why are you still orthodox? I don't say that, but it's like in your mind, it's like, give me a break. No one's ever told me how to get to heaven. My priest doesn't care about me. But who did he call? Called pastor. Always be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you of your good conversation in Christ. Luke 12, 11 and 12. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrate and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Now, folks, believe me, I'm not saying don't take the time to get trained or to learn or to learn how to win people to Jesus Christ. It's talking about when you find yourself in a bad situation... If you find yourself all of a sudden taken hostage, all right, don't rely on a gun if you're carrying one. You better know Scripture because one of the most effective things to impact a bad situation is when you start to talk about Jesus Christ in the Scripture. It will not return void. All right, I, I haven't, I, I've gotten away here and since I've gotten involved in this church. Gotten, gotten away from, from uh, watching movies and television shows and that stuff to a degree, not as much as I used to. But what I have gotten into some of the television shows is these uh, ones about um, forensic files, that kind of thing. And you, know, you kind of learn about you know, how they solve a, a crime. And there was one I was listening to here a couple weeks ago where it, I won't go into detail on it, but uh, this young lady and her husband were out fishing came across a serial killer, and it was a bad situation. Her husband gets killed, and she was abducted for three days, and um, it was a very, very bad situation. Assaulted, assaulted many times. I'm not talking about being punched. Um, but what she did is she had a Bible, and she was reading Scripture to this guy, and that was the only thing that saved her life because she ended up being the only person to ever survive coming across this man, coming across the path of this man. Uh, scripture is powerful. I'd like to give three specific testimonies uh, that, that took place. I could, I could go on and just give numerous, numerous, the, the number of testimonies as far as what took place in Romania and the people that I want the Lord there. And then since I've been back here, but for time's sake, 
I, I'm picking these three testimonies for a specific reason. The first one here is talking about a, I want to talk about a drug dealer in the Blackwell area of South Richmond in 1992. When I just finished up this uh, soul winning course, the church that we were involved in, uh, the pastor there had me become the head of visitation. And so the church ended up being in Blackwell. I don't know, does anybody know where Blackwell's at or anything about Blackwell? But back in 1992, for about those four or five or six years, it was, I mean, Gilpin Court was like super righteous compared to this place, this area. I mean, most all your shootings and killings of drug dealers were taking place in this area of Richmond. And it's been revamped. When I came back to the state police in 2008, 2009, and drove through it, it's like, man, this is not the same place. Back then, just a bunch of row houses. So me, um, I, I don't know if it's just stupidity or what. When I was a Richmond police officer for six and a half years, I wouldn't drive through this area in my marked car, in my unmarked car, in my marked car for anything. And the only ways I'd go in there is if I got a call, but I wouldn't be caught down there in, my, in, a, in uniform carrying a gun. But one Saturday, went out on visitation, no one else showed up, went out by myself, and going door to door in Blackwell. Came up to one uh, house, there was uh, three young uh, black guys on the, on the porch, and I could tell right off they were drug dealers. And um, I was, stupid me, you won't catch me doing it today, but uh, stupid me, I was in a suit and tie. Why, I have no clue. Um, I was still a trooper at the time, and I was wearing a gun, but I mean, these guys were looking at me like they were getting ready to fill me full of lead, literally, seriously. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating any of this. I, I'm telling you, this is what took, took place. And so I, I, I just, I had been going door to door, and so I came to their door, and uh, they said, uh, what do you want? And I said, well, I'm from such and such Baptist church, and I'm just out going door to door and telling people about Jesus Christ. And you talk about a reaction that was stunning. The chief guy, the number one kid that was up there, that you could tell was like the, 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 the alpha male of the three, uh, said, oh, oh, man, it's like, yeah, uh, man, I probably need to talk to you. Okay. And, uh, and I don't remember how it transpired, but I ended up sitting down beside him on the porch next to him. And the other two, I don't know what happened to them, but I ended up just talking to him. And presented the gospel to him. And <clears throat> this is the New Testament that I used. To talk to him. And, and this, this testimony I want to talk to you about is dealing with the fear of people. You don't have to worry about people. God will take care of you. The fear of being rejected. I intentionally use the Soul Winner's New Testament. All right, in another testimony, I'll, I'll let you know why it's critical to memorize Scripture. But this particular reason, and as a general rule, I always have one, the New Testament with me, that what I did with him is that I wanted to show him, and the only thing I've got marked in here is the verses I use for soul winning. Got, those are the things I have highlighted with a little red star next to it so I can zero their eyes in when they're following me. And I went through the plan with that young man. And when I got done, he said, I know I need to. 
except Jesus Christ. And he named some off the wall, you know how these different names. Uh, it wasn't Billy Joe Jim Bob, I wasn't in a redneck area, but it was it was some kind of, you know, Coke bottle. Coke bottles out here and got you know got shot three times in the back and he's dead. He was my best friend. So he said in high school. Um, and he was just killed right up here. And uh, he goes, I said, you know, you know, I'd not be alive tomorrow. He goes, I know it. I know it. He goes, I know I need to accept Jesus Christ. But he goes, I know that when I do, it will change my life. And I don't want to change right now. And I said, and I don't remember his name. I'd learned it, but let's just say Marcus. I said, Marcus, you know that if you die tonight, you're going to go straight to hell. And he goes, I'm afraid of that. And we parted ways. I don't know if he ever got saved. I don't know if he's dead today. But um, when I was teaching discipleship evangelism down in Decatur, going out on Tuesday night, we got a car to go visit somebody in the worst project that Decatur has, that nobody went in there. And I had a young couple with me that uh, I was training. And when I said, when they found out, when they found out, when I found out where it was at, they were terrified. We can't go in there. There's no way to work. We can't go in there. I said, no, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And um, would I go in there to go check and try to buy some, something from something? Probably you wouldn't catch me going in there for any other reason than I was going in there witness. And they were scared stiff, but we went in there and, you know, knocked on the door and, and talked to them or whatever. And, and uh, when we left, that, that young couple was all pumped up about how exciting it was to go in there. The fear of man bringeth a stare, but whoso putteth their trust in the Lord shall be saved. I'm not talking about do stuff foolishly. I'm not talking about if there's a still small voice say, don't do that. All right, don't do that. But on the other hand, going to Gilpin Court depends what the purpose is. If we're going down there to buy a Corvette, nah, I ain't going with you. All right, but for another reason, what I would advise if you go into Gilpin Court to look for a vehicle to buy, and I, I, I'm not, I am not being facetious. It sounds funny, but I would say everybody goes in there. You better have your big black Bible right there in your hand. And I'm not lying. All right, and don't go on a suit and tie. But um, the drug dealer in Blackwell in 1992, second testimony during this same time frame, it was shortly, probably the, within the month before I left the state police around October, September, October of 1992, I had transferred from uh, Area 4, Gooch, Louisa County, to Area 8. I was patrolling Hunrike, or I was patrolling 64 and uh, going eastbound and saw a pedestrian on the westbound side, went up, made a U-turn, came back to him, and I could tell he was a transient type of drifter. Uh, called it in, got out, 
went up to the went up to him and patted him down. Got his uh, um, backpack, put it in the back seat, and uh, put him in the front seat, and um, wrote him a ticket for being a pedestrian on the interstate, and um, pulled off. And as soon as we pulled off, I said, I need to start witnessing to him. If I don't start now, I don't have a whole lot of time. I mean, the Honorable Line is right here. 288 didn't exist back then. And uh, I was going to go ahead and go out of Area 8 into Area 4 all the way. It's not that far, but in my mind, it's like, man, back then, things were a whole lot different, a um, lot tighter. But I went all the way up here to exit 173. And from where I picked him up, I started presenting the gospel to him. And he's sitting there, and he's just looking down, stunk. He, he'd been all different states all over. He's a drifter, moving around. And I was like, I'm wasting my time. Why am I bothering? I can't use the Bible because I'm driving. But I quoted scripture. The, the, the plan I had, the specific verses I was using, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.13, and a couple verses in teaching those four things in salvation. And I know I am not getting through to this young man. Young man, he, he, I think he's maybe about 35. Wasting my breath, not responding at all. Got up here to 173, got off, parked right there. It's still there, that stop and ride. Pulled in there. And at this point, I'm thinking, and so I said, well, you know, he's not responding to me in any way. I said, um, do you mind if I pray for you? And he, he didn't really respond to it. I said, I'm going to pray for you. So I, I prayed out loud for him. In the middle of my prayer, it was all, it was all part of the, 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 this plan that steps that I, I take. I stopped and I, I said, um, I knew his name and I don't remember what it was. I said, John. I said, John, if Jesus Christ would accept you right now as you are, would you be willing to receive him into your heart to save your soul? And uh, he didn't respond. And in my mind, I'm thinking, am I wasting my time? He has not said one word to me since I started witnessing to him. So I went ahead and for, the only thing I can think of it was just the Holy Spirit convicted me. I went ahead and prayed a sinner's prayer. So just repeat after me, John. And, and he went ahead and uh, I I realized now he went ahead. I had no clue he was. And um, as far as going through the sinners, my sinner's prayer, which is dealing with the blood of Jesus Christ and a number of things. And as soon as we, I, I finished and I said, Amen, you talk about a change. All of a sudden, wow, man, you talk about the weight. 
I don't know what it is with weight. A lot of people that I lead the Lord, it seems like this weight just dropped off their shoulders, they, they, they testify. And he was the most talkative person, the most happiest person. Thank you so much. I have been just about to every state, and no trooper, no police officers ever witnessed me, never told me about Jesus Christ. He goes, this is exciting. He goes, I am going straight home to my mom who lived in Roanoke. My mom has been praying for me all my life, and I'm going straight home there now. And, and I'm here just kind of like speechless. Not one word. I'm wasting my time. I ended up giving him a pair of my it was It was cold. I remember that was, that was why I'm thinking it was pretty much in October. He'd gotten cold out. He didn't have any gloves, so I gave him a pair of my gloves and uh, gave me... Um, um, New Testament to take with him. But uh, some points there in that testimony that I want you to take away is fear of what to say. You need to know how to lead somebody to the Lord. It's not a matter of memorize a bunch of scriptures. You need to be able to collectively put it together and follow a plan. The plan is not the magic bullet, but it's being able to effectively communicate. The first time I made a traffic stop, all right, oh, you get trained. 1983, gotten out of the academy. It was like five months long, and I had like three weeks of field training. And the first night I'm in that police car by myself, man, I was like, oh, wow, terrified. Having a simple guide and plan to go by. Critical to have scriptures memorized, because there will be many times either you won't have your Bible with you, or you can't use your Bible. I'm driving. I can't also start flipping through scriptures, witnessing to somebody. Not in your power, might, or smooth talking. It's by the Holy Spirit that'll work through you when you're obedient, when you have a clean life. You never know. Never assume. Never assume. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Last one, expect the unexpected. My third testimony. Down in Decatur, Alabama, I've been teaching the discipleship evangelism, soul winning course. And um, at that same time, the pastor put me as the director, as well as the Sunday school teacher, because we only had one class, a set of numerous classes of different age categories. But uh, I was the director of the senior citizens, 65 and above, had about 30 of us in there. Karen was not with me. She was teaching another adult class, some woman's class somewhere. But uh, I was the director of that. So I was visiting this elderly lady in my, in my class in the hospital there at Parkway Medical Center. This is around 1995. And while I was in there talking to her, her husband was there. Over in, an, in another bed right there was this other elderly lady. Uh, that I don't know if she's on her deathbed. I know she was in, in kind of a dire strait. She, I remember her being blonde hair. She may have been in her late 70s, early 80s. And uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit convicted me to, to talk to her, and it's like, we're in Decatur, Alabama. At some point, we had more churches per capita than any... This is the truth. I don't know about today, but at one point, we had more churches per capita, Christian churches, than anywhere else in America which is a small city. 
I said, she's got to be saved. Holy Spirit, she kept on convicting me. So I finally go over there and, and start talking to her, introduce myself, and she's chatting there. She's just laying there, and we're chatting, and, and got to the point where I asked her, you know, if she knew she's going to heaven. She was, oh, yeah, I went forward and I got baptized. I went forward and I got baptized. She's a member, been a member for, it was like 40-something years of some Baptist church there in Decatur, Alabama. So my mind is like, well, I know she's had to have heard the gospel. She's had to have been evangelized. So I went ahead and, and went ahead and decided to go through the uh, gospel plan with her just real briefly. And, um, I, you know, it, but I could not get her to get off of, I went forward and was baptized. She never, she kept on, she wouldn't tell me that she knew for sure that she was saved. And part, part of my training is at some point when you're witness to somebody, you just need to shut up and say, can I pray for you? And let the Holy Spirit take over. And I stopped and said, ma'am, do you mind if I pray for you? She said, oh, please do. And I prayed for her, and, and in the middle of my prayer, I stopped and said, ma'am, would you be willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior right now and know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven? And uh, I went ahead and prayed with her, and she accepted Jesus Christ. And you talk about a change in her life. It is wonderful to know for sure I'm going to heaven. And here the whole time I'm thinking, she's a member of a church. She's already been saved. The point I want to give you to give you to take away from this testimony is uh, don't fear whether you're being relevant or not. Be faithful to be willing to witness. Another thing, don't ever assume. When I first met Pastor, I did not assume he was saved. Once I've gotten to know him, I'm very confident he's saved because of his testimony. And you become confident when you get to know people. Yeah, as confident as you can be, you have to know they're going to heaven because of their testimony and their life and what they testified to and how what they testified to their salvation testimony. But anybody else, don't ever assume that somebody's going to heaven. Don't fear wasting time. When the Holy Spirit convicts, speak. Remember, it's not in your power, not in your might or smooth talking. Uh, never assume, always expect the unexpected. Uh, just to wrap up with this here. If you are faithful to personal evangelism, to soul winning, God will direct across your path people who are searching for the truth. If you're a faithful witness, oh, you'll get plenty of opportunities. If you're not a faithful witness, why would God ever bring anybody across your path? You're wasting his time and their time. If you don't know how to witness, number one, and number two, you don't have a heart for witnessing or being faithful to witness. God will direct across your path people he wants to hear the gospel and will hold accountable for rejecting it. God, I, 
I never, what are you talking about you never heard? What do you mean? You remember such and such a date? Steve Boots was right there, rode in the vehicle with you, presented the gospel to you. I was the one that convicted you that you should accept this, this truth, and you intentionally rejected it. Everybody we witness to is not going to get saved. People who need a seed planted in their hearts and minds, God will bring across your path. People who have had a seed planted sometime in their past and in need of picking. Let me just close with these, with, with these verses. We all know about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And I'm not going to read the whole passage of Scripture, but I just want to read uh, three specific verses here in Acts chapter 8, 30, 31, and 35. And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. A lot of people that are lost. Not a lot of people witnessing. And uh, the Lord can bring people across our paths. May we be faithful. Pastor, thank you.